Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Shift. Welcome back. Myself and Katie here, and we have an amazing episode coming up with Sarah Sproul, who um, did a master's in uh, sexual studies and now focuses uh, largely on informing parents on how to talk to their children about sex, which is an issue that's come up a lot. So uh, stay tuned after myself and Katie uh, chat for a while about how coronavirus is affecting our lives. We'll have an amazing uh, chat with Sarah Sproul. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's our, it's our first episode since it's become a lot clearer that the world is in a lot worse shape than we thought last week, Katie. I know. It's the zombie apocalypse. I'm just glad I watched all those zombie movies. Um, I mean, you, you're in a country that's been a little bit too lackadaisical up until up until today. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's, I actually, yeah, yeah, pretty much today they're starting to, I guess they're closed all the bars now. So, so you're unemployed um, officially, right? Yeah, so, you know, actually, people could just send me money. That'd be great. <laughs> my, but everybody's my, in the same boat, Katie. That's the I problem. I know. My dad said uh, toilet paper is currency back home right now, so. That's right. Well, the toilet, pa- yeah, the toilet paper thing was quite funny. I think people have chilled out a bit on the toilet paper thing now, though. That's so, I love it. He's sending me all the videos. Irish people are so funny. <laughs> there's a, There's been enough memes. It's not Irish people. It's the whole world did the toilet paper thing. Well, I oh, he's only sent, he's he's sending me the videos of Irish people that the Irish people have made, and they're really funny. <laughs> they're brilliant. Yeah, well, the 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 but the toilet paper thing was universal. Every place that started to have fears about COVID nineteen, yeah. for some reason, people go for toilet paper straight away. But it was weird. I went to the key foods beside my house last night just to pick up some canned food, just in case. And I was like, oh, maybe I should pick up some toilet roll. But when I went, yeah, it was all empty, barred, the hard toilet roll. You know, the shitty one that nobody wants. Oh, really? So the toilet roll was out? <laughs> it was out, barred, just that, like, um, that hardcore one. Um, so, yeah, but I was like in the house like, of two boys here, we'd be hard pushed to go through, like, six rolls in six weeks. So oh, I don't know yeah. why people think they need to buy, like, five of i understand you have a big family but like five jumbo packs i don't get it. <laughs> what are you doing like wrapping yourself especially because it's non-perishable so it's like yeah. you know there's going to be another stock of toilet paper coming in the next few weeks i mean even in italy where the even in italy where this it's really bad they're on like full lockdown you can still go to the shop and you can go to the pharmacy yeah i mean it's a, it's a hassle you gotta like you gotta make this application but i mean like you're never going to be in a situation where you don't have toilet paper. I know. It's so funny because I said to my roommate, like she's 
Peruvian, but I, I don't know why that is important to me. But I'm like, well, oh, she's Peruvian. She's probably practical. But, uh, she's like, I was like, should we stock up on toilet roll? And she was like, uh, we have three rolls. Like, how long? How would you think we're going to use that in three days? What's wrong with you? And I was like, actually, yeah. But then I've been home all day yesterday. I got because the show was cancelled, so I went home and I started anxiety peeing. You know where you're like, oh, I shouldn't wee because <laughs> now I'm like need to wee all the time. So what? Yeah. You never get it where you're like, I shouldn't we, but now you're like, oh, I have to go again. And then you're like, oh, but I, I need to save the toilet roll. That I'm like, I've, I'm going to have anxiety attacks during this coronavirus. Well, a lot of people have claimed that it's triggered some anxiety, but I've never, <laughs> I've never had my anxiety represented in, in peeing. Because I have wee anxiety anyway. So like, you I didn't know, know like, wee anxiety was a thing. I'm telling you, it's a fucking thing. So basically, this is going to sound so crazy. But so when I go to the toilet at night, I'm afraid that I'll need to go to the toilet in the middle of the night. So I'll go to the toilet and then I'll like walk around the bathroom for a second and then go to the toilet again. <laughs> so, so I already use double the amount So when you say I'm telling you it's a thing, have you discussed this with thing. other people or is it a thing for <laughs> no. you? Well, maybe. Who knows? You know, maybe. Well, we'll know people. now. Because yeah, now, now a lot of people are going to listen and they're going to be like, nah, Katie. <laughs> or well, they're going to be like, oh my God, I'm so glad you mentioned that, Katie, because I really have that. I think it's because Irish parents, you know, when you go on a long journey and they'd be like, you better fucking wee now before you go. And you're like, oh, Jesus. And then so the whole way in the car, you're like, I need to eat, but I don't want to say anything because they get mad at me. So I think that's what things that's where it came from. Interesting. Another, another little, <laughs> another little hint of how fucked up Katie's childhood was. <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then we get these these little hints when uh, Katie that's not speaks. Normal? Katie speaks with such normality about something that's insane. No, I, I I'm joking because I think we all had the family thing where like we don't want to pull over to we. But yeah, I have a sneaking cause... suspicion that it might have been more stressful for you. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, the 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 it's pretty full on, obviously, as we know, and uh, everybody's talking about it. But I have been. I mean, I actually did, I did, I've kind of done two podcasts on the Des Bishop podcast about it already, but every day there seems to be a new thing. Now, there was actually, since since we said we'll chat in a half an hour, there has been a WHO press conference where he's basically saying testing, testing, testing. Like, there's just not near enough testing, uh, you know, so that we can find out the full extent of the, you know, the outbreak, which I'm pretty sure is out of control everywhere. Yeah, well, apparently a lot of young people my age will have it and just not be sick or whatever. So just carrying it around. But this is what I read, but I don't know. Well, no, no, no. The the the, the people that won't be sick at all are kids. Yeah, Jesus. but you 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 know, uh, younger people will have. You know, it's not a very serious illness for the majority of people of your age. Yeah, and my age, really. I'm not really in a high risk category just yet. Yeah, but the kids, you know, kids seem to not really be getting much getting very sick or if they do it's very minimal so they're just vectors it's mad like carriers I'm... of disease when i see kids now <laughs> i'm just it. like get the fuck and the thing is that <laughs> they're just as there's just as much chance i'll get off a kid as anybody else but for some reason because they can't really get it yeah. i look at them with disdain yeah i'm like <laughs> fucking vectors get the fuck away from what are you even doing out you fucking vector pieces of shit get the fuck I out know. of get out of my lane Put your kids on lockdown. Some guy brought his kid into the bar the other day, sat him up at the bar, and the fucker coughed at me. And I looked at him, and he's the, regular. The kid coughed? Go, the kid that little coughed. vector? That little vector I told, fucking I told coughed? Him. I fucking say, I told the regular, I go, you need to kill your son. <laughs> For fuck's sake. There's Jesus vectors Christ. everywhere, man. 
people coming in and coughing though like you think now that's like you'd be a bit quieter about it but no anyway well, I mean, coughing's not a problem sometimes you have to cough you cough into I your know, elbow and then you go wash your hands your i mean yeah well were they not coughing into their elbow no but they're all fucking drinking i'm like jesus christ yeah well that's why they had to shut the bars because your inhibitions drop and absolutely you probably yeah. have it katie maybe i'd be very okay I'm, I'm not gonna lie i'm not gonna lie i actually wouldn't mind getting it now because i'd rather just get it due to two weeks and yeah. then be immune absolutely because you don't want to be out of more work when when it starts yeah no absolutely i know yeah, there's yeah. not going to be any problem with being out of more work there's going to be no work for how long a long time katie Oh my god, that's mental. Anyway, yeah, no, sorry. Just so you know, like it's not going to be like, oh, how unlucky was I? I had an extra week and a half where I had to wait to go back to work because I got it right at the end. Yeah. That 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 would be that would be low down on the list of worries. It's going to be a while before things get back to normal. Jesus Christ! I'm telling you, the states is like a week, week and a half behind. We're we're a little more realistic here at the moment. Oh. The states. I talked to people in the states yesterday, and it was all just I could just tell like they were all still in the. Where we were like a week and a half ago thinking, yeah, it might not be that bad, you know? Gonna set up my OnlyFans account. What are you saying? You're gonna do an OnlyFans account? I know you're joking anyway. Oh yeah, I'm joking. But sure, like, for the people who are comfortable doing that, they're lucky now. Like, Lindsay put up one being like, oh, I've got my coronavirus OnlyFans video coming out. And I was like, oh, she's so lucky. (laughs) Yes and no, Katie, because the truth of the matter is that nobody has money. So it won't be long before the subscribers start dropping off those things too. Okay, yeah, yeah. They're okay. already talking, people talking about dropping their Sky Sports. I tell you, it's not good for the economy. The market's tanking by like 2,000 points. Jeez. Just to, I know people are trying to get rid of their anxiety listening to us, but we, we do have a good app that's not about this, but we're just getting this. We're just get, in fact, we've been talking about it for 10 minutes, so let's drop it because we got a great episode, which I, I forgot to say uh, at the beginning, but you know, we, it often comes up about sex education and how to talk to your kids about sex. Uh, so... Uh, had a fortuitous meeting with uh, Sarah Sproul in uh, in a cafe in Rathmines last week when when we were all still feeling normal. You know, when when going to a cafe was a thing that you would just do without any thought of it being a privilege. And uh, she didn't come up to me at the cafe, but she messaged me after and said, "I didn't want to bug you at the cafe, but I was wondering how the podcast is doing." Uh, and then I checked, and that that's her. She did a she did a master's in sexual studies, and she focuses on. Uh, mainly about sex education, particularly about how parents talk to their children. Uh, so I interviewed her on Saturday, at the, very much at the beginning of social distancing. I sprayed the microphone head covers and the microphones with disinfectant, and I did interview her in my car, but she has kids and stuff, so you know she didn't want to do it at her house. So anyway, we, we did it in the car, so that wasn't ideal amount of distancing, but still only two people, so not not super risky. And we had a chat uh, for about half hour, 40 minutes about talking to your kids about sex and just sex education in general, which I thought you'd be happy with, Katie. Oh, yeah, I loved it. I really, I thought it was great. I was really informative and I'd totally be on her level of thinking. Like, I really agreed with everything she said. Okay, great. Well, let's have a listen to that and then we'll be back after this. We'll start. We've just we've just been laughing away, joking about intimacy here and the the benefits of a of a Chinese girlfriend. Oh, you know, I should have asked before we started the podcast. How do you pronounce your last name? I'm Sproul, like the bird owl, but oh, Sproul. Yeah. So Sarah Sproul. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a good that's an onomatopoeia. That's a good (laughs) that's a good flowing name. Mm -hmm. So welcome to my car. Thanks, Dad. I mean, this is not this is not two meters. 
<laughs> no, it's not. But so we we'll just stay facing forward and not touch each other. Yes, but we're also two people. You know, I'd like, I like. Th- I think two people chatting is not the most irresponsible thing. You know, and uh, I did actually sanitize the mics. I disinfected the mics with like kitchen uh, counter disinfectant. Great. Uh, and uh, so we're all good. And so we're outside the cafe where we had a fortuitous encounter. Where last week you messaged me to say. I was in the cafe, but I didn't want to come over. <laughs> and then you said, I'd like to chat on the podcast. And then I checked. We must, did we have an interaction before? No, I don't think we did. I was just, I was cold and calculating and just approached you. <laughs> but, why, but why was I familiar with your, your, your Insta was not, we were, I was following you, wasn't I? Yeah. Oh yeah, I was following you because your Insta was not unfamiliar to me. It must have no. came through Sex Shop, I guess. I would say. But the sex world in Ireland is reasonably small, so... Most of us eventually get to know each other in some way or yes. shape. Yes. I mean, form. I didn't realize I was in the sex world. Yeah. You, you're in the sex world now, Dave. Oh, I'm in the Lucky sex world. you. Well, but yeah, but what, what I was delighted to see was that you talk a lot about how to talk to your children about sex, mm-hmm. which, as I said to you before we turned on the mics, is a thing that just comes up in conversation a lot. And we always hit this sort of this this wall of... Not sure what to say, slash, of course you share one or two anecdotes about what you think, Mm. but I thought it would be great to get somebody who kind of knows a fair amount or certainly is up on the current research, because I assume this is one of these things that's always changing. Do you know, like there are some things that will stay the same, but I think what changes is the culture in which we raise children, and Mm. so then that changes our attitude towards it. And that's certainly the case in Ireland because, you know, maybe even 20 years ago, people just accepted that you don't talk to children about this sort of thing. And now we're very clear, even just culturally, that it is important to prepare children for the world in which they're growing up and becoming adults in. For example, you know, online pornography and their ready access to that. But I think parents are even more interested in empowering their children to have healthy relationships, whatever that means, as an adult. We all want yeah. that for our children. And let, well, well, let's start with that because I want to talk about that. I want to talk about sex education. And then I want to hear your opinions on the porn thing because mm-hmm. that is that seems to be one mm-hmm. area where they, nobody, there's no consensus. But just to start on the very basic thing, you're, you're a parent, right? Yes. Okay. I have three children, 16, 14, and 12. Girl, all right. So you're really right. You, you've just come through the real heart of this. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm, and, I'm living it and working it. But was that your... Were you in that field already, or was it your own desire to learn more for your own children that got you into this? So I remember when my my f- eldest child, the daughter, she was five, and she asked me where babies came from, and I thought I did a pretty she good job. She was five. Job. She was five. Yeah, and I thought I did a pretty good job, and I was reasonably open because um, even though I'd been brought up by a, a nurse and a motor mechanic, very practical people. Um, I still remember having a conversation at nine years old with my friend who was 10 and knew everything where I didn't know, you know, sperms and eggs, something as basic as that. And I just wanted to make sure that my children were never in that situation. So I was doing my best and then came into conflict with other parents around me. Oh, right. Yes. Because this is the thing, right? And most parents will say this to me, that the issue is not so much about whether they should or shouldn't talk. Most parents will know that they need to have open conversations and informed conversations and positive conversations with their children. The issue is that if the parents around them are not doing that same thing, then there's that fear of like, oh, 
what what are people going to say? Are they going to ostracize my kid? Are we going to lose our friends? Like it, it's so oh, it's, the fear of you having said too much to your child, and now yes. you seem like an irresponsible parent. Yes. Type of thing. Right. and not only that, then that. Our children, if we are informing them and talking openly, then talk to other children. And that is one of the things that gets parents really mad. Like, I have the great condom story, which goes something like this. Our kids were still primary school, less than 10. And amazingly, we were having sex still, even though we were exhausted. And our condom, our cho- condoms were our method of choice for contraception. And so our children knew what a condom was and what they did because they were in the bedside locker. So, you know, children get into everything. So anyway... I had three children who knew what condoms were. And one day walking home from school with one of our little friends, my um, daughter saw a used condom on the footpath because, you know, gritty in a yeah. Dublin. And she said, ooh, that's gross. And her friend said, what's gross? And my daughter said, there's a used condom on the ground. And her friend said, what's a condom? And my daughter said, it's what you use to stop the sperms getting to the eggs. And I was, I overheard this and I went, oh God. You've got to be proud. I'm really proud. I am, I am rocking this parenting thing. (laughs) And it was only the following day then when that child's mother came over and just said this was not okay. She was very upset Uh, that my child, I think there were nine. Right. Okay. um, Very upset that my child had told her child that and she wasn't happy with her child having that information. And you know what? Hand on my heart. Fair enough that she'd said that because well, that's she, how she was feeling. Right? Yeah, right. And of course, we all parent in our own way. So mm. it was really confronting for me. And that's when I went, now, hang on a minute. What I think is okay may not actually be okay. And that's when I went off and did my mother's right. sexuality studies because I was like, I need to know this stuff. Yeah. I don't I don't want to put my kids in that situation. I don't want to put myself in that situation I mean, ever that's a pretty- again. It's a pretty dramatic move. It was. It was. But <laughs> I you could have just Googled it. <laughs> you didn't have to get a master's. But I think what I really I like I love learning. Learning is my happy place. But oh the other thing I was thinking, right, other people are feeling the same way as me. And I was searching for my purpose in life anyway. And not only that, I had had experiences as an adult where I had no clue about what I wanted in a relationship and therefore I was really crap at communicating my needs. Mm. And I I I was like a loose cannon in terms of there were people that I hurt because I hadn't had the knowledge to learn about who I was as a sexual person, mm. how to communicate that in a way that is kind but also honest about myself. So mm. there were lots of reasons why this work was super important. And, and, and honestly, in terms of Ireland's development, probably a country, you can't list the difference of importance, but at this point in time in Ireland where you've had this massive shift, a more recent shift than other Western countries, Mm. probably a good time to get into Mm. it because there is a huge need for people to have a better understanding of what to say, what to do, what's acceptable, you know, what what you should be judgmental on, what you shouldn't be. Yeah, absolutely. So so let me ask you this then. Uh, What do you you think, what what do you say to parents now who say, my nine-year-old shouldn't be hearing about what a condom is? And also, I guess the deeper question is, why are people so hung up on sex being the thing that children shouldn't be hearing about? Yeah, great question. Do you know, we all, are, we all have programming in our brain. So when we are small children, the whole purpose of our brain is to keep us safe. And one of the ways it keeps us safe is that we are able to look at the adults around us and see their reactions to particular things. So 
most of us, when we were small, if we asked a very innocent question about, you know, why do you have hair on your penis and I don't have hair on my penis, that sort of thing, yes. we will be able to pick up subtle shifts in the adults around us face and we will learn, like, is this an okay thing to talk about? Is it not okay? So that's a very subtle way that we start learning that sex isn't an okay thing to talk right. about. And then we may even be shushed by the adults you know, who care for us or even the wider culture, certainly in Ireland, you know, there's not a lot, there wasn't a lot of modeling about how to talk openly about being a sexual person in a way that is sort of enjoyable and healthy and just being a human. There may have been modeling around like how to be overtly sexual and really sort of out there. Yes. But we, we've all been programmed to learn that maybe sex might be dangerous, sex might be dirty, sex might be wrong in some way. Yeah. Well, it's a sin, basically. Yes. I mean, it come, like the messaging growing up was it's sin. Yes. And not only that, like, one of the things, so I, I'm a public speaker, so I talk about this to groups of parents. And one of the things I ask them, I say, look, if you have seen a, a, a newspaper headline and it has the word children or child and it has the word sex in it what is that article going to be about all oh, right so you so it's going to be about abuse yes or it's going to be about um the sexualization of children yes so we are programmed then to think that children and sex the only way those things are talked about when something has gone really badly wrong or there's this sexualization idea which is also wrong and so yeah. there's no space we we're not shown how to talk about this in a way that is healthy and fun and enjoyable and um, and useful for the children that we are raising. What What is the consensus on why it's damaging for a child to see something too sexual on TV, for example? What is the, and I'm not talking about porn. I'm talking about how, you know, growing up, if, if something a bit racy came on the TV, it's like, this isn't appropriate for you. What is the consensus on why that's a problem? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, there could. There's a number of things, but one of the main thing is um, we have this idea that being a child, it's not possible to be sexual. We have this idea that children are sort of asexual, and anything to do with sexuality in a child shows some sort of damage. And so, if children are watching, say, well, I'm going to show my age now, MTV. You know, yes. I, my when I was younger, it was being Madonna and like a yeah, virgin, like and a all virgin. Those yeah, well, we're the same vintage. So, yeah, you, okay. all your, I love your examples. Papa <laughs> <All my> <laughs> yeah. don't preach. <laughs> exactly. Well, um, the the thinking would have been that. Um, this is an asexual, innocent person looking at a sexual something and we've already agreed that sexuality is sinful and therefore they are influenced by this sinful media and become sinful themselves because they might start doing the moves of Madonna or, yes. you know, dress up in that particular way. When the reality of it is, if, if we um, agree that sexuality is a neutral thing of being human, just like our digestion or our interest in playing sport, if we think about it that way then we can start to accept that actually children do have a sexual self. Now, that will sound shocking to a lot of people. Yes. But I don't mean children have sex. What I mean is they have sexual organs. They're learning already um, about their body and And they're getting little crushes nice. and things. Yes, children do get crushes yes. on other people. I you had know. crushes when I was a kid. Yep. Um, you know, children talk about their private parts. I'm using air quotes there, their genitals. And children do have a sexuality that is slowly developing into an adult sexuality. And because we don't haven't traditionally accepted that, we 
sort of have this idea that anything to do with sex is dangerous and scary for a child because it's going to affect their innocence. And that is a massive block in terms of parents being able to access healthy, um, supportive conversations with their children about this part of being human. Yeah, and that's tough when you think the healthy thing for you to do is perceived as being the thing that takes away your child's innocence. Yeah. So no wonder, that's one of the things I say, no wonder we all have difficulty with this. And parents who have trouble talking like calmly and easily about things to do with human sexuality, they're not broken. They shouldn't feel guilty. It's not their fault. They can't do it. We are a product of our culture and it's okay. You haven't been taught this stuff. So you don't need to feel bad about it. Um, You do need to know that Children, it's very protective for them to have an adult they trust who can they can talk to about these things in a way that is non-scaremongering, right? So the important thing is that we are open and positive about the fact that human sexuality is part of being human and it's okay to talk about it. So do you, I, I know that these things never work in terms of like this age, that age, but do you have like any simple, you know, simple bullet points that you could throw out in terms of like when you should say certain things? I'm assuming that some of it is led by your own child's curiosity. It is led by a child's curiosity, but there are sort of age, what people would call age-appropriate topics that we can introduce okay, our children, so what would they child be? to. So it's, it's a very long list, is. Okay. Uh, but let's just start off with the things we can talk about with children from zero to four, right? Because if you can talk about these things with a child from zero to four, then you're going to be able to talk about them with older children. So we can talk about things like um, pregnancy and where babies come from. Yeah. We can talk about how bodies can feel nice to touch and bodies can have good feelings and scary feelings inside them. So we're teaching children to notice what their body is telling them about whether something is good, like positive or dangerous. We can talk about how... And of course, that's that's also just broader emotional development. Bro- in fact, yeah, all these things all are... All these things are. For some yeah. reason, we separate sex, but yes. in actual fact, it's just one of the many feelings that we're trying to figure out as a, as, a, as a child. That's exactly right. And I think that's maybe something for parents to pay attention to, that there very well be that you are already having conversations with your children that are part of their sexuality or their sexual education. You just don't realize it because you're talking about it in general terms, but that's absolutely good. Um, we can talk about things like how there are different sorts of families, like families don't necessarily have to have children in it. Some, not everyone, um, chooses to have children. Uh, we can talk about the different sorts of, um, companionship, like you can love someone who is your friend. You don't have to marry people. So we're talking about the diversity that is possible in human relationships. Um, we are talking- zero to four. Yeah. Zero yeah. to four, because they, they know, they already, if, if your child say, even goes to childcare, um, they will know that um, they c- you can love your friend. They can have a really close friendship there, but that doesn't mean they're going to get married because, you know, marriage isn't for children. Yeah. And um, we, we also talk about how our bodies are our own and you don't have to allow people to do things to your body if you don't want it. Now that we, you and I both know that that is a building block to sexual consent. Consent, yeah. But that is also a building block to other forms of consent. So learning what we like just in general life is a skill that we then can transfer over once they're much, much older into negotiating um, in physical intimacy. So all those things, all those topics, and there's more that 
I just can't yeah. bring to mind oh, right that's now. Fine. That's but fine. all those topics are foundational topics because some parents will come to me if they say have a 12-year-old or a 10-year-old and they'll go, look, I don't know how to talk to my child about sexual abuse and I understand that's really important because it's common in the world we live. What do I do? And I will always say, you're asking yourself to do a massive ask by jumping into a conversation about sexual abuse if you haven't laid the foundation for your child and for yourself mm. because we're looking after everyone in this interaction we're looking after our children because we don't want to sort of spring something really complex on them but we're also looking after ourselves in terms of as a parent we are developing the skill of talking about these things that we don't have maybe experience of doing before so we start with easy things like you know body autonomy which is not to do with sex but it's just to do with we are our own person you know and so we slowly develop the ability to talk about more complex things hopefully the older our child gets and the more conversations we've layered on so what when does the when do they recommend the birds and the bees chat as they (laughs) said when we were kids (laughs) do you know um well are you talking about intercourse yeah you know just basically uh you know well my my memory of it all is yeah. that at some stage your parents are supposed to sit you down and be like, "Listen, that's you know, oh, right. this is this is what's going to happen, and you need to know about it." Yeah. So we actually don't recommend the birds and the bees talk anymore. It's oh, not right. it's not a thing because remember this idea of layering um, topics on. We're also um, being consistent and we're talking often. So open and often would be one of the sort of the catchphrases. Yeah, and I don't like to say it because everyone's saying it, but it's true. Like, do we um, only talk to our children about their need for vegetables as a one-off talk? No, we don't. We are layering that stuff on every single time they are sitting down at the table. Eat your vegetables. Here's your broccoli. Here's your so this part of their humanity, their sexual self, is just as important as their ability to understand what a healthy diet is. So we do exactly the same thing. Um, we, we talk about things in an ongoing way and we're using um, experiences in the just everyday world to start conversations. So here's the other thing. We're not waiting for our child to ask questions. Right. Um, I use the example of road safety. Do we teach our child about how to cross the road safely only when they ask us? Right. No, we don't. Of course we don't. We are layering that stuff on again from very early, early on. We're getting them to hold our hand and we're pointing out cars and press the button so the, the flashing light will tell you when to cross the road. Exactly the same thing with these sort of, of conversations. And do you think that it's gonna get, it gets increasingly easy? I'm just going to open the window mm-hmm. just for uh, air. Yeah. Uh, do you think it gets increasingly easy nowadays because people, I guess if you're more comfortable with sex yourself, then it's easier to have these conversations. Like, I feel like my generation are going to have these conversations easier than our parents did with us. Yeah, that's a good question. I, do you know, there are a lot of parents out there that are finding this work difficult as part of their parenting. Um, and I'd say if if we're looking at how many parents are able to have this conversation with their children, absolutely more parents are having those conversations than our parents' generation. Absolutely, no doubt about it. But I think there is this increased pressure for parents to do these conversations and do them well for their child. They're worried about um, about sort of damaging their child in some way by either, say, using the wrong words or right. saying something too early or uh, maybe saying something that's just plain wrong. I mean, is, is it is it easy to say something too early? Do you know, I, I'll tell you a story. So when I was nine, 
I was with my friend Libby, who was 10, and she knew everything about the world. And she had said to me, um, she says to me, do you know how babies are made? And I said, yeah, yeah, like sperms and eggs, they come together. And she said, yes, but do you know how the sperm and eggs come together? <laughs> and I'm there, my little nine-year-old self going, um, do they fly through the air? I honestly thought they flew through the air. And she went, no, there's a penis and there's a vagina. And I'm sort of there with my big, wide open eyes going, why didn't I know this before, right? So that is a very strong memory of mine. So fast forward to when I was doing my master's in sex and I go home to my mum who is in her 60s and I say, mum, you know, I'm just wondering why did you not have a conversation with us about how babies are made when we were small? And she looked at me, she said, Sarah, I had so many conversations with you about how babies were made when I was pregnant with your brother. You were full of questions and I answered every single one. My mom's a nurse, right? So she would be fairly open. But what she didn't do is continue the conversation right. after I stopped asking questions. And children forget stuff. And particularly if it's not relevant to them, it will go straight over right. their head. And so I think what parents don't understand is that if it's too much information, your child will just not take it in because it's not relevant to them. So actually and, that fear is less important than the fear of not saying enough. Yes. And I suppose, I suppose the only thing, if we're talking about mistakes, one of the things that I say is important to avoid is this idea of talking about all the negative stuff and not um, situating it amongst all the positive things. Because if we just talk to our children about how scary and bad and negative it can be to have an intimate sexual encounter with someone else or grow it up into a body who's going through puberty and what will happen, if we talk about it in a scary way, then our children are just going to um, block us out because the information is scary and oftentimes not relevant as well, particularly when we're, I don't know if you've had this experience, where you start to hit puberty and all of a sudden you've got your crush on someone and your crush likes you too and you get to sort of hang out behind the hedge at school and you're having a go at feeling like what a kiss is like and yeah. touching someone else's body. That stuff is awesome. Yes. It is awesome. And if you've only had an adult saying to you, it's scary stuff, you have to be careful. Like, How irrelevant is that adult going to be in your life as you move forward? And are you really going to ask some questions then about, you know, important information that you need? It's unlikely. Well, you know, most Irish people of my generation, I mean, I had the mixed I had the mixed upbringing in that I didn't come here till I was 14, but most Irish people in my generation were told that they were doing something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like like you literally thought, which kind of made it more fun in a way, yeah. but I don't think that's healthy, you know, in no. the long term if if sex is always this this thing of you're doing something wrong or you have to you have to rebel to fucking to to do it. But so so just just to raise things on cuz I don't want to keep you all day. What are you telling people about because the big issue now seems to be porn or the the ubiquitous nature of, of quite intense sexual content that these kids can just find. And even I'm on TikTok and I, I'm shocked at I, I'm shocked at the sort of like how sexual the whole thing is. Even it's not porn, but it's just like you're looking at quite young people and they're expressing themselves really mm. heavily sexual ways. And it, it's wasn't around when I was younger. So I'm just wondering, like, what's the thoughts nowadays on sexual content on the phones? Yeah. So there are some really great researchers in Ireland doing work around sexual content. Um, Kate Dawson over in NUI Galway is doing awesome things around the idea of porn literacy, which is how can we teach our young people how to um, interact with sexually explicit 
content online in a way that is smart and careful and they understand like what's real and what's not real and what are the skills that they can have to um, to just negotiate the world in which everyone is looking at sexual con- – well, not everyone. I'll just put my hands up. Yeah. But a lot of people are looking at sexual content and it is influencing what they think is the right way to – be intimate with someone else. So um, another colleague of mine, uh, Dr. Caroline West in um, DCU, is a pornography researcher. I have a DM into her. I oh, get great. Well, she's she's awesome. I will, I will hook you give, up. Give, but, yeah, give her a yeah. nudge. Yeah, I will. But all these researchers are looking at how do we um, look at the way our world talks about porn at the moment? Because the way that our world talks about it is very much panicked. Yes. And so when we talk about something panicked, and particularly in our parenting, certainly for me, no good parenting has ever come out of me when I have been in panic. Mm. Absolutely none. So what I'm saying to parents is we need to um, educate ourselves about what is happening in the world of sexually explicit content online so that we can have non-panicked conversations with our children. Because it's like I said before, if we talk about the negativity and we tell our children, you must never look at these things and you'll be damaged if you look at these things or, or we're very extreme in our views of it. If our child in some way starts to um, you see pornography or have some questions about pornography, if we haven't shown ourselves to be a, an adult that can talk about it calmly and with compassion, they are not going to come with us and come to us with questions. And every single parent I've spoken to wants their child to be able to come to them if they have questions or if they have fears or if they've shared a naked selfie and it's gone completely wild, right. you know. As parents, we do need to be to show ourselves to be open to very complex conversations, and that's not something I can give you in a soundbite of this is all the things yes. that parents. That is a skill that parents need to devote time and energy to developing. And um, yeah, because that came up with my buddy the other day. His daughter is twelve, going to be thirteen a few months, and he was literally talking about that conversation of. You need to be careful with sending naked pictures of yourself. Mm. Mm. You know, because obviously his concern, because like, whatever, we're we're two old dirty fucks, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. His concern is he doesn't have a great fear of his daughter meeting boys and becoming. His fear is the, the effects of that getting shared around. Yeah. And and, and he, he actually doesn't know how to have that conversation. Because obviously... Yeah. The natural inclination, including myself. Well, I think my first response then was, you got to fucking tell her, most important, that shit, you can't fucking, no matter what, don't send that shit. Yeah. You know, that was like my immediate reaction. Yeah. Like, no matter, even though when I was, like, well, first of all, iPhones weren't around, but like, when, when pictures started, I sent, I sent dick pics, not unsolicited ones, but like, I, yeah. you know, sexual sexting encounters, I sent that stuff. Yeah. Now, I didn't have a negative outcome, but, you know, I, I it's easier to have a negative outcome nowadays. Well, see, I think you ra- what you raise is an important point that because our young people nowadays, their technology is part of who they are. Yes. So technology is um, incorporated really into their crushes and the way that they interact with each other. And that's not necessarily always a bad thing. There was There's interesting sexuality research around, you know, that, Using technology to create intimacy is one way of um, avoiding sexually transmitted infections, for example. Right. You know, so it's not as clear cut as we would say, as, as you know, it looks from the outside. And the other thing I would say is when we say to our children, you must not do this, it's too dangerous. It's sort of 
it's it's a it's limiting because right. if they do, where is our voice in their head? Our, their, our voice in their head is saying, "Oh, mum and dad, or my my caring adult said I shouldn't do this, and now I've done it." And there's there's no voice in their head that says how to do it safely. So, for example. Um, perhaps if you really, really have to send some sort of explicit photo, you do it without your face in it. Keep your face you do out without of it. Your, with, without showing your tattoo. Um, do you know, I heard a story Get the other a burn day. A phone, so yeah. There's no phone number connected <laughs> to it. You know? <laughs> and, and, do you know, we, we have to be practical as parents. And I know. Because they are going to do it. Well, some of them will. Yeah. Because here's another thing about diversity, right? Some of us are risk averse and we won't do it. Right. Some of us are raising children who risk is their natural habitat. They take sporting risks. They take physical risks to do with climbing. They will take sexual risks as well. And so as a parent, how can we be um, relevant in their risk-taking behavior? And, um, And again, I would say that... Don't expect yourself to be able to do this after listening to one yes. Des Bishop podcast. You know, this is more about creating skills and habits and uh, reading books and listening to sexuality educators who can talk about the detail of it. And would you would, would, would it be sort of the normal thinking in your world of, you know, studies around sex that most of the, the panic concerns from porn to young people having sex earlier and all these things – that that they're not as much of a worry as people think, because I know that they're hot topics on a fucking radio show. You know they'll 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 blow up the text lines on a radio show. Yeah, because panic sells, doesn't it, and gets yeah. clicks and all those sort of things. Um, that look, there are concerns because we're in an age where things have changed so rapidly to yeah. do with technology. At the same time, I think we forget that young people they have in intelligence about those that media that we don't have because they're they're digital natives now i'm not saying they don't need guidance they absolutely do need guidance and support but i think as parents if we don't come to our young person our teen for example with um, the attitude of collaboration and saying like you're an expert in being a teen in this day and age i've got an older head on my shoulders and i know some stuff how can we work together to um, give you the skills and the information to f- so you can live your best life and that doesn't mean i'm shutting you down i just want you to have everything you need to have fun interesting healthy exciting relationships mm. Yeah, because you might be good on TikTok, but trust me, I've made a few mistakes yeah. that I'd love you not to make. Yeah, <laughs> and and I think one of the the tricks about being able to use our mistakes is um, it is possible to talk to our young people about some of the stuff we did um, and some of the regrets we have, but in a way that we are showing them we are approachable and that we don't, right. you know, that we didn't get it all right. And being human means making mistakes and that's how we learn. And by telling them stories about our mistakes, we're not saying don't do these mistakes. We're saying I made mistakes. You will make mistakes. And in our family, we are good with mistakes and we're not going to um, lock you in your room when you make mistakes. We're here to support and to help you. And um, let's just get this show on the road. So the final thing I wanted to ask you about, because this is another thing that comes up and I don't know that much about it. Um, Ireland's not great with the sex education in schools. How mm. how much of a role do you think sex education within schools should take? What's being done to make it better? You know, I see all these scandals about this Catholic organization. Their name goes mm-hmm. out of my head, but, you know, they have their abstinence-based stuff that seems to get in more schools than it should. You know, I guess I'm just looking for a general overview. 
Yeah. Okay. So what we what we think about is that young people or all of us we learn not through just through education but we learn through our culture as well and we learn from our family and all the people around us. So sexuality education in schools has a huge place to play in terms of layering information and skills and attitudes on for our young people so they have the ability to make good decisions, right? Um at the moment in Ireland the sexuality education is not doing what it needs to do. So I provide sexuality education at national school level, so for 11 and 12-year-olds. And at the moment, the curriculum allows me to talk about human conception, so sperms and eggs. It allows me to talk about puberty, puberty hygiene, and um, intercourse in the context of a committed relationship between a man and a woman. All right. So you can't even talk about homosexual relationships? No, no. So uh-huh. what that means is um, we all understand as caring, loving adults that we don't know what sort of child we are raising, who they are going to grow up to be, what sort of um, relationships they are going to want in the future. So um, so I've just told you that the relationship with sexuality education is severely lacking. And so that means that um, as parents, we have an opportunity to backfill all the information that sex educators like me with the greatest um, and most positive intent in the world can't go outside the curriculum laid down by the Department of Education. So um, there is a lot of gaps that can be filled. By the way, home. just out of curiosity, what yes. is the risk for you then uh, if you step over the mark by accident? Is the risk then that you can be fired or it's it's illegal? Like what what's the... Well, see, I'm contracted in... Uh, All right, so like, you, you have to file the curriculum. You have no choice. Yeah, that's exactly right. School's ask me to do that. Now, I have um, schools have a choice. When I come in, I say to them, okay, so what is your views? If so, if a child asks me, for example, a question about condoms or a child asks me a question about same-sex relationships, um, what's your school policy on that? Am I allowed to answer those questions or what's the deal? And some schools will say, yeah, absolutely. If the child asks a question, you can answer it, but you don't bring up the information on your right, own. Okay. That, some schools will say, uh, no, you can only answer questions based on the curriculum. And that's, you know, it's very complex then. So there are ways to um, make sure I don't do harm because I'm a registered occupational therapist, so I can't provide a health intervention that is in, in any way negative. So what I will do in my classroom stuff is to use pronouns that, you know, just say there are two people or, um, you know, there there are sperms and eggs, but I don't necessarily talk about how... Um, female or male yes yeah. exactly and i will say um what are the things about sex like why do people have sex and the children will say well to make babies and say why else oh because people love each other yeah and why else oh because it feels it feels nice. good motherfucker. yeah exactly you have to get that in you have it to pull it out good. of them yeah no kids are great um the other thing would be to, you know to do with diversity around con- human conception so um some schools are fine with talking about um ivf and um, artificial insemination, particularly country schools. Oftentimes I'll say to kids, okay, so we're talking about sperms and eggs, but how do sperms and eggs get together? And some people it's will farmer's say, kid. yeah, say, well, my dad is a vet and he has this little device and he takes the sperm and puts in the cows. And I'm going, absolutely. We can do that for humans too. So, um, and then, and then, you know, farming kids are great. So city kids, not so much. But, oh, that's funny yeah. how they get. So, so sorry. So you go into 11, 12 year olds and you, so, so, so right now, you think that's inadequate that that uh, restriction 
Well, yes, it is, and it's not just me that. So thinks yeah, that yeah, quick. of course, yeah. So, so what's the, the what, what's the move? What's the move forward now? Yeah, there's the the curriculum is under review, um, and there's I know there's been a lot of things going on in the world at the moment, so we're all a bit distracted. But there is a review happening in I in the Department of Education, and that is going through our legislature. So. Uh, here's hoping it's been doing it's been there for a few years so it's a little bit slow but I absolutely firmly 100% believe that Ireland is on track to um, change the way sexuality education is provided in schools and um, and we are looking towards a bright future now I say that in a positive way because if I was feeling negative about it I would probably curl up in a little ball and die you need to be positive about a situation we're working in and we each of us any of us who are working in this industry are looking for positive changes and you know and creating a better situation for the young people that are being raised in this I mean Ireland has world. done pretty well considering how, how much of this was so negative not that long ago. I mean, it mm-hmm. hasn't been a major cultural shift that I've experienced since I've moved to Ireland. Mm. But at the same time, it is the frustration that there's still just a ton of Catholic shame hanging around in terms of uh, sexual education and the fact that the Catholic Church still has a hand in a lot of the institutions? Look, that that is a con- that is one of the issues. And it's not just about Catholicism now, because even parents who aren't practicing Catholics anymore will have that sense of shame or fear or uncertainty. And so um, it's not just about that. And then there are some, um, like I know one Catholic school, and I'm not going to say where it is at all, but the parents and the board have got together and agreed that um, when their relationship and sexuality education is being done, and in sixth class, that the sexuality educator will be allowed to mention that not everyone has sex with someone else with genitals that are different from them. Like that is, I, I want to swear, revolutionary. You know, right? There, that is one school, and so we. I know from experience that there are people out there who are working on the ground to change this for the sake of the children they are raising. And I don't think we can discount how powerful that is. Um, and so while there is change coming from the top and it's going slow, there is amazing change coming from from the bottom as well. And it's an exciting time to be working in this space in Ireland. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would I would be pretty hopeful in Ireland because I, I, I think these, these changes happen quick. And like in fairness... I mean, in fairness to the Irish government, it's very easy to criticize them, but they've been pretty mm. forward thinking on a lot of this stuff. Yeah. I mean, listen, we have a gay T-shirt, you yeah. know, I mean, he's not, well, he's, he's hanging out now. Yeah. <laughs> Coronavirus <laughs> is elongating his, his time as a T-shirt, you know, gay marriage, abortion referendum. I mean, there has been like some, some, some major changes. So it's, yeah. it's, it's not the slowest, you know, no, it's, it's definitely no. not, it's, it, it, it's, it's not a, 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 an aircraft, like, what are they called? The, the, the largest ship. <laughs> my 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 uh, my metaphor didn't work out there. I had a, a Trump moment, but anyway, it seems to be turning a little bit faster than yeah, uh, I think so. Than, than people give it credit. And, and you know, and I don't think it's useful for us to um, be negative about it because um, we're just we'll just talk ourselves down into a hole. I mean, look look at the podcast you're doing, right? That is a. I'm going to say community service, which makes it sound really boring. It's not boring. You're doing a wonderful thing by creating conversations, open conversations for people who are interested in listening to other people talk about uh, things about sexuality, which is different to their own, right? Mm. You have a wide variety of guests on your show and that 
that supports this sense of diversity that we we all have, you know. Although I have to be honest, I get way too many messages that are nice, but they annoy me a little bit, which is people in their 40s who message me and say, God, I wish this podcast were around when I was in my 20s. In other words, a lot of people who just experienced huge amounts of time of their sexual life feeling bad about what they were Mm. doing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. which is unfortunate, but whatever. I mean, every generation has their, yeah. you know, every generation evolves. And then, the, you know, the, you, you look back and you think, oh, it would have been great if it was different. But, you know, anyway, well, it's it's good crack, even though I just got into it for a fucking unique <laughs> topic. You know, there was a more of a hole in the market than anything else. I wasn't looking to do a community service, you know. <laughs> I've made it sound so boring. I know it's not boring. Plus, it's I just wanted great. to talk yeah. dirty in a yeah. way that seemed like it was fucking about sexual health. <laughs> Rather than my own fucking quirks and kinks, you know? It's like, yeah, it's sexual health. Anyway, so you like having your asshole licked. <laughs> it's, a, it's a community service. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, Sarah, thank you so much. That's great. I've mean, covered so much topics that I've been dying to talk about for a while. So, And, and with, 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 a bit of a, you know, with a bit of research behind it, which is fantastic. So we'll have you on again if you don't mind. I'd love to come back. Thank you so much. Oh, do you have any, what's your Instagram? My Instagram is I am Sarah Sproul. And um, S P R O U L E. Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah, I am Sarah Sproul, and you know, me- message Sarah on Instagram, and you can keep up with her. You do a lot of talks and stuff, right? Yeah, like, I yeah, do. Um, I'm open to coming to schools to talk to parents. Libraries have me in. Parenting organizations, anywhere where adults gather who care about raising children that have the skills to create healthy relationships for themselves in the future. What a great ad! Thanks. <laughs> So the, uh, thanks to Sarah Sproul. Uh, great to have her. Plus, not only did she, was it fortuitous that I met her, but she also connected me up with Caroline West so that we can further explore, uh, you know, good research on the effects of porn on society. Yeah, that's amazing. I had sent, uh, I had sent a DM to Caroline West on Twitter, but it turned out that it didn't get through. So she wasn't ignoring me. Um, so I'll be chatting to her actually when all this dies down. She's got her own podcast start now. But anyway, Sarah's chat was very interesting. You uh, you had a listen last night, Katie? Yeah, I loved it. Uh, I thought she was great. I thought she was really um, like clear and like yeah. open and honest. Well, luckily and that's kinda, her field. I mean, that's literally yeah. her. You know her spiel. I mean, I I I, I would have. She did say to me that it's hard to get into like specifics. So I I I will organize in the future. Not too distant future. All our listeners, I'll give them plenty of heads up, and they can send in questions for Sarah because she's quite, you know, she's quite informed in the field, particularly around questions around how to talk to your kids. Because a lot, you know, there's a lot of scenarios that come up, and uh, it's easier to to figure out what those scenarios are by actually hearing people's experiences with it. You know? Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, no, I think that's great. I thought. One thing, you know, I really related to her uh, was when she said um, using your own mistakes to kind of level, to be on your kid's level, to talk to them about sex. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what was she saying about that? She was kind of saying it's 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 good to let them know that you're not it's okay like, perfect. To make, yeah, it's okay yeah. to make mistakes. But I do think she was also, she was sort of suggesting, though, to not put too much pressure on your kids to make it seem like they're not allowed to make mistakes. But I, I think yeah. when, when she said that, she was kind of talking about so that they understand that they can be open, right? And I think as well, so that they could see that she, she or he as a parent is also a human and has made mistakes and to use that to kind of relate to them. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's what I took from that too, that, that, that yeah. it helps them to feel comfortable and to relate. 
because I know like when I was 13 my dad like was very open about how you know like his mistakes uh, sexually and that was good that was like you know you have to be careful and use protection and stuff like that um so that really helped me because it was just like you're just talking to me like a regular person and I was like yeah actually yeah I should use condoms <laughs> when it happens it was like 13 or 14 yeah well you hadn't it hadn't happened yet right no, no, I didn't have sex. But that's good that you had that, that he had those conversations. Yeah, yeah. So I think... My dad did. My, my parents did. My mother definitely didn't have those conversations with me. The only conversations my mother had was when I was 14. I lost my virginity when I was 14, but she found condoms in the attic. But funnily enough, it was months before I actually had sex. But for whatever reason, I had gone through the indignity, particularly around those in those years, I went through the indignity of buying them, you know, did the, mm-hmm. I fucking got the courage up <laughs> to fucking buy them. Cause like buying condoms when you're a teenager, I mean, it's definitely easier now cause they're way more accessible. They weren't as accessible back in those days. Uh, you had to ask for them and God, it was fucking heart wrenching, you know? Um, I used to do, uh, anyway, I, I, she found the condoms and, uh, I, she she came to me like, oh my God, Desmond, how could, what are you doing with condoms? If you're having sex at your age, I don't know what we're going to do. Like, <laughs> like she was fucking freaking out. Like it was the end of the world if, if, if I was having sex, which, you know, I was going to have sex within a couple of months. And it's all well and good to be like, it's fucked up that you had sex when you were 14. But the truth is that like, what does that do? You know, all the panic. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So, uh, I mean, she's a prod, you know, she's like raised so heavily Catholic. Like to her, it was just unfathomable. Yeah. Um so then I just remember my dad coming up. I was in my room and he was like, yeah, I do, man. Uh, listen, I just wanted to say, you know, <laughs> if you're going to be having sex, you know, just make sure you use a condom, man. You don't want to get a girl pregnant. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah, good. Yeah, I just wanted to have that chat. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> that was great. That was it. That was uh, just, that was the, the pretty much all the sexual discussions that we had. No, That's no. not good. It's not good. You know? I remember one time I was in the car. We were modeling, so I guess I was like 11 or 12 at the most. It was towards the end of the modeling years. And we're in the car in Manhattan. And uh, I don't even know why. Just it's, I guess I, I had a fucking boner. I don't even know why. Just had a boner. You know, they used to just show up in the early days of puberty. And yeah. my, mother, my mother noticed. And she was like, what were you doing? Playing with yourself? <laughs> that, was, that was my mother's. That was the extent of my mother being able to engage in any sort of sexual chat. What are you doing? Playing with yourself? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, I didn't get as much of it as you. Um, no, well, I only got that from yeah, I only got that from my dad. That was great. Like um, the the other was very fucking like can't talk about it. That's you know. I remember when I was like eight or something, I said something to my mum like she I just I was like massaging her or something, and I just heard what sex was, but I didn't know what it was, and she goes oh that's so nice and I go it's not like we're having sex but I didn't really know what it was she got so mad at me like I was like fucking your mom oh she went mental and like it was like you know I was like gre- like in big trouble but I just you know, I just heard someone say that sex was nice <laughs> I was like, yes. yeah yeah well that's what Sarah was talking about basically that like you just yeah. don't make that a big deal when kids yeah it, it would have been better if she was like you're right we're not anyway <laughs> um what was the uh what were the other points that you wrote down? So, um, oh, zero to four, that age group where she was saying what she can say, like just letting in little things so that they're not 
um shocked like uh when you do start to have the conversation later on i think that's a really good idea like just well yeah she was you- basically talking about how they they push forward appropriate things to talk about with your children you know which is essentially the building blocks of relationships not just sexual relationships i felt from that part was just the building blocks of human interaction and emotion and connection yeah like even that even something as simple as that will help with you know just like making things less because our issue as people is that we get we can't communicate it because we're so overwhelmed with embarrassment or not being able to have the words just in even general life sometimes so like starting kids off young with just being like you're able to talk about stuff and it's grand there's no embarrassment here will help in loads of aspects of life i feel like yeah i think that was great i was like yeah just, yeah i mean it's oh. just, that's just good parenting advice which yeah is, my, which is I'll, I'll 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 look forward to giving it a whirl you know but it's all yeah. it's all very easy and my you know, my step my stepmom's really open she's a social care worker so she's really open with stuff like that and she would always been like oh like to my sister she was like it's a vagina you know all the proper words all of that stuff and then one day they were out and lies of oh shit anyway my sister was uh playing playing she was only small she was playing with someone and they annoyed her and she goes shut up you vagina head <laughs> she was only like four or five or something at this point. oh really vagina head yeah. oh, it's great when kids come out it's great shut when kids come out with some head. proper inappropriate uh comments and it's great because it's a real term and that's what it should be you know and that's your vagina and that's your penis and like it shouldn't be like because vagina is like a, a real word it's not like you're going you're going to your kid like that's your pussy or whatever you know but people get that like that's your body is fucking gross don't be i anyway that's what i was taught it was and I hate yeah it. i mean i, I thought it was interesting that there's a lot of issues that come up about like parents freaking out when another kid says some stuff, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I, really I don't know weird. if I got, I, I, I think I, I think we went off topic because I, I think maybe I should have pushed it more. Just I, I'm curious to look more into like why it is that sexual stuff is considered the, the more difficult stuff and why it is the more inappropriate stuff. I wish I had actually, I pushed for that more. I reckon, I reckon we came off that a little quicker than I intended. Yeah, because even that story she said where the mother came and got mad at her, let's say um and she was like oh i understand but i was kind of like actually i don't because you're like by going over there and getting mad you're like my style of parenting is right whereas you could just be like hey heads up but also wouldn't you be fair especially for that story where the girl was like oh it's condom like yeah like i don't know well i think that was the problem there was because when i asked her that she basically was i think she told me how that 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 was the reason why she got into into Mm. this world yeah. And and I think I then forgot to sort of push further about like why is it that sex? You know, like what I I I still have more questions about why is is sex the thing that's so inappropriate for children, you know? Yeah. And and I, I guess that's good that there's more I still have more questions. Yeah, and comfortability around condoms of at a like is is you would hope is a good thing, you know, that they're going to know about that and stuff and that's because yeah, well, I think most people my age for a sexual experience wasn't probably with condoms and you're just kind of like, fuck it, let's try this. And, you know, you think you're invincible. So Yeah, well, a- I have to say that all my friends' early sexual encounters were with condoms because it was really? much closer. Yes, because it was much closer to the AIDS epidemic. Like there has been a, oh. that's actually one aspect of sexual stuff that's gone backwards. People are more relaxed about uh, protection because of the lack of AIDS fear. Yeah, I mean, it was like, unheard of really to like have sex without a condom yeah you know and there's also way better 
access to birth control nowadays for you know for women. So there's way better access to non-condom, uh, like not using a condom birth control. So there's actually the fear of pregnancy has faded quite a bit too. Plus, it's easier to get a morning after pill. Uh, you know, abortions aren't as stigmatized. So there's just like there's just a lot That's less true. reasons why you would use a condom. Plus, mm-hmm. you don't have this AIDS fear, even though STD. Uh, STDs are like on the rise exponentially in Ireland. And they were about to bring out a new report about the rise of STDs in Ireland, and it's probably gotten lost in all this coronavirus stuff. And I was, OVD. you know, I had organized a guest that uh, yeah. was going to talk about that, but now we, it's not going to happen because of all this shite. But yeah, there, I mean, that is a, that is a problem. But anyway, it, we talk about that a lot. Yeah, yeah. What were you going to say? Well, just because I heard, or like someone was telling me like early, recently about another form of protection, which isn't, I don't know, but like the ovulation calendar and just pull out <laughs> method. It was on like the Planned Parenthood website. I'd never heard of the ovulation calendar. I didn't even know. I don't know. But that's just I mean, like knowing when you're ovulating. Yeah, I don't have a clue. Anyway, I'm going to have to go figure, 29 year old woman having, I don't know. Well, you don't, you don't know your cycle? No, no. I know like when I get my period, but other than that, I don't know anything more about it. I just never no, we learned. went through this before, Katie, about Did we? You know, the, the, the 28 day ovulation cycle. But when is it you can get pregnant? Well, uh, on average, I, I, I believe it's around day 14, but, you know, different people's cycles. And then there's, oh, God, I, 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 I don't want to give off bad advice, but <laughs> yeah. there is a certain amount of days before and after in terms of the sperm can stay in there and also then, uh, um, the egg is obviously, you know, you don't know exactly when the egg is out of position, I guess, for being oh fertilized. So there's a there's a window, there's an ovulation window, which is in, uh, you know, uh, normally in the middle of your cycle, but your period is day one. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. You, know, you knew that, right? No, no, no. I didn't know that. I, I How can you not know that, Katie? You're a woman. I'm a fucking man with a penis. I know, that's just how I go through life. But how do you know when your period's coming? Didn't you know that your period comes approximately once a month? Yeah, it comes like around the 19th, usually. Sometimes it changes. Yeah, like once a month. Yeah, but I didn't realize that was day one of the ovulation calendar. I would have thought that that would be when your period I know that since I'm in fifth grade. (laughs) I know. Honestly, I don't know what planet I do be on sometimes. Yeah, that's that's a big thing not to know. But anyway, uh, you, you... as as I'm not a woman, I don't want to speak with any uh, authority on ovulation, but <laughs> no, uh, I I believe that there's ways to get a little bit clearer on uh, you know in and around when you would ovulate, and I do yeah. think that there are also some other you know there's a, there's ways to check if you're ovulating. Okay, um, yeah. And then there are these apps that sort of <laughs> yeah, you can key in your I'll, schedules. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why I asked. It's probably oversharing, just because the guy I'm seeing whipped out <laughs> an ovulation calendar on his phone. <laughs> he didn't want to use a condom and i was like what the fuck <laughs> so oh he didn't want to use a condom so he whipped out the ovulation calendar yeah and he goes when was your first day of your cycle and i go i don't know and he was like you're joking and i was like no i have no idea and he was like all right well let me know when you know <laughs> yeah i mean it's not great for the sex podcast that you don't know that much about the ovulation cycle <laughs> That's I have two weeks quarantine. I I'll get fucking I'll get on it. Okay. Um uh what was I gonna say to you? Uh something popped into my head there. 
Yeah, I mean, that's not a great thing to be checking about the ovulation cycle anyway. Just use the condoms for STD purposes. Just tell them that pregnancy is not your main concern, that STDs are your main concern. Yeah, well, he showed me, you know, anyway, yeah, he's been checked, but... Oh, yeah, but, yeah. but like... There's still, there's other things, because there's still things they don't, I, you know, in my head, I'm like, you know, you're, sometimes I'm just like, fuck it, and, but then you're like, there's other things you forget that's not going to come up on tests, like the cancerous version of HPV that's not going to come up so I haven't been vaccinated so you're like oh you're, and then you fucking have nightmares but yeah so it's just you're right condoms are just better <sighs> so yeah yeah it's very hard to stop the spread of HPV though Katie so you wouldn't I be, know you, you wouldn't be want to worry about HPV well yeah no everybody has it my age now but it's the it, it's it's just like it was just something that popped into my head like the very cancerous strain like uh, someone so there's a guy who comes to my bar he works with like infectious diseases and he knows a lot of stuff about stds as well but he was just saying to me during night because i was like is something is that something to be worried about hey and he was like no everybody has it and he goes but up until you're 40 you can get the vaccination and i would because it just stops you from there's like maybe four very cancerous strains like because obviously i got one that wasn't cancerous but it was like dodgy well none of them are cancerous they produce isn't it that they 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 can help create the cancer yeah they can they can lead to the cancer yeah because i got one of the dodgy ones but it wasn't like super bad it was just like where they had to you know but it's just he was just like uh, everybody get the vaccination like no like you, you know no matter once you're under 40 i was like oh, i had no idea i thought i was too late for it so it's just interesting gone in my head then so you're gonna get it yeah 100 percent, definitely that's on my to-do list of go gyno get uh the vaccination so what else from the chat did was jumping out at you um Oh, just about kids forgetting as well, because I for even like that's really good about having this conversation. Don't just have it once. Oh yeah, keep com- reinforcing it. Yeah, that's really good. I fucking forget. I'd have conversations like I could have a conversation with you now, and then tomorrow forget stuff we've said. Like, and I'm an adult. Yeah, so. for sure, because we've definitely I- talked about the ovulation cycle before, <laughs> <laughs> and we've talked about HPV. Um, but yeah, no, I I think that's really good to constantly be like. And just normalizing it, you know, yeah, just, yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, I mean, I don't have kids, so I don't get, to, I, that's why I was really just relying on her to say, you know. Yeah. I mean, I just was really relying on her as an expert to say the things that, that work, you know. The only experience I've really had with this is the education that, that I got and my own evolution around my sexual beliefs, which came from trial and error and cultural change that has happened in my lifetime. So I was really just looking at her for a sort of a, a, a modern view on yeah. on the discussions but of course neither of us have kids so it's very hard for us to sort well, of this is it. think about it and you know no and i don't know if i will have them but i would love i would love a world where for little girls like you know our vagina i like fuck i'm 29 and i still don't know about ovulation there's something yeah but kate you are unique you're the only 29 year old woman i know that's not I'd fucking you, that's not no, that, amish i don't <laughs> i don't agree with you the amount of girls who message me be like oh, i'm the same as you having a fucking clue um, about ovulating i'm telling you i'll get some messages i uh, girls message says there let them know you didn't fucking know about that um or but, they're all gonna but, but, they're all gonna message me now and go you're people an know, don't, don't don't you think most people know like the sort of the natural cycle that they have in terms of like the the time their period begins and the time it comes again yeah i know that but i didn't know that that meant that was day one of the ovulation and day 14 is the day when you can well that's 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 like a that's like a that's general guide it, yeah so i just didn't know that like i knew that 
you know, there's like 29 days and shit goes on up there. But, um, I just, yeah. But like, I mean, so for little girls, like just about your vagina and it not being this fucking, nobody knows. Like I feel like most women can't come because they don't understand what orgasming is or like, you know, what's going on down there or how many holes are, you know what I mean? Like, I just think there's what your hair is like an open conversation like that with, with women or even fucking washing your vag, stuff like that would be great. Uh, yeah, I of course of course yeah but i just so was there a fourth point that you had no that was the four of them i said the four. Oh, what was the fourth thing i had using your own mistake on your level zero to four no shock forget kids condom woman that's what this is the note what was the w- what was the woman thing oh the woman coming and giving out to her about um the oh, right. little, yeah i thought that was interesting because it's like you know, it's a very, it's a, it's an interesting thing trying to, you know, control all the different environments that your kid goes into or whatever. And yeah, but that's just a parenting skills, isn't it? Like, yeah. you're, like parent drama is just part of having kids, you know? Yeah. There's a, and, you know, you're d- different cultures and different ways of doing things. So there's always going to be clashes, especially in like a diverse society, not just yeah. diversity in terms of, you know, race and gender and sexual preference, but also just... uh you know, diversity in terms of like how people perceive where the culture should be, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, well, it was great that she was able to give us an insight. And in fairness, oh, she got great. into all, she was, she got into all this because she wanted to be able to, to, to educate people. Um, I'll find out more about the state of sex education, but I, I thought it was pretty fascinating how, you know, she's very restricted on the curriculum. Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting as well, especially when she was saying that, she had could only talk about like man and woman committed relationship sex or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that is amazing that that's, it's still restricted to that, you know, especially in a country that's voted for same sex marriage that, you know, that, 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 that would still be an issue. But I, I think, I think that's not across the board though. I think some schools are probably more open than others, which she insinuated anyway. Yeah. But there has been some chat about sex education stuff recently in terms of not allowing this religious organization that comes in basically saying that sex before marriage is bad. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're, they're trying to push a little bit of a restriction on on them, you know. But they're yeah, just a very vocal, they, you know, they really don't represent a huge portion of society, but they're just very vocal and they're very sort of, they're very motivated to get their message out there, that sort of extreme Catholic messaging. So they they just end up with, more airtime and also just more presence and education than they should have, you know, because yeah. the mass movement is away from, you know, just too much religion and education, but they're just fighting so hard to keep as much as possible that they still get a foothold. Uh, and I, I'd like to get an, a, a the, I want to get a theology expert on to talk about why sex became the obsession of Certainly the Catholic Church, but most religions in fairness have quite the obsession with sex. I know, right? As, as you know, like what, what is it and, and, and how much of it is, is rational and scientific in terms of why we should be pushing caution around sex. I'm going to get a theologist on to talk. Or I, I, I want to get somebody who just has a really good uh, understanding of how to articulate the evolution of obsession with sex, why it was a good thing. When did it have the most value for society and when did that start to lose? And have we, is the assumption that we may discover in the future that some of our promiscuity of this current age will lead to problems in the future? You know, I'd be, I'd be curious to see if there's like a sort of a, a range of thought on those issues. 
Yeah, I know. That would be amazing. I'd be definitely interested in that. I just have to find somebody. I mean, I have my own opinions, but I'd love to get somebody who had a bit of history behind it, you know? Yeah. And where the thinking is that it it came from. Because I hear anecdotes about St. Paul was like very anti-women obsessed, you know, and that a lot of it stemmed from sort of his sect of the Catholic Church. But I don't even know how much of that is true. You know, you just pick up these anecdotes over time. You think they're facts and then you you do a bit of research and you realize like it's bullshit, you know? Yeah, someone someone told you randomly. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, but it it also just becomes fact out there, like, you know? Yeah, I've no fucking idea at all. The only thing I ever heard was that that the priests were allowed marrying and they weren't to let the money go back into the church so they could build yeah that was it about property rights and different things yeah but again that's one of those things that's like is that true is it anecdotal you know i'd love to find out you know yeah i'm gonna you know Um, i'm gonna try to get dermot farader even though he's like he's very historical i'm gonna try to have a chat with dermot farader about how much because he wrote a, a great book about the history of irish sex but it's quite academic it's not like it's not like the kind of book that you would read and be like Oh yeah, I just couldn't. St- I couldn't put it down. Yeah. You, know, you have to pick a section and take it in because it, it, it's it's fucking full of information, like full on. Um, which I, I should really read again. But anyway, I think he'd have some good insights. It's certainly into the Irish Church, which I'd be happy with. So yeah, I'm gonna reach you- out. To, I'm gonna reach out to him. Yeah, it's it's mad. Like because when, when you think about it, even like like look, because I was born, my parents had to get married, and that's only like 29 years ago. It's not that long. It's just mad. Like that's still, yeah. I don't know. It's... Well, we'll find out. No yeah. problem with not knowing when there's a real opportunity that we might know soon. Yeah, that'd which be is great. Part of why it's we're here. so interesting. Part of why we're here on the shift, Katie. To yeah, keep get rid of our shame, baby. Narrative of information. So anyway, let's hit the road. We'll get back on with our uh, with our our quarantining. Yeah, you know, get, have fun. Get your qu- quarantine. Well, next um, week, next week we're go- next, next week we'll talk about um, how to keep. Uh, your 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 flirtation and your your do, sexual do, yeah. behavior going while yeah, yeah. quarantining. Yeah, good because I'm quarantined now and seeing someone, so I'll let you in the snow how that goes. <laughs> and also, uh, for uh, listeners, if, you, if what we would love is how what what ways are you? Well, obviously, some people are living with with their partners, but obviously, some relationships are going to slowly start to experience problems as a result of this. So, share with us how quarantining is affecting your relationship both positive and negative how some of you perhaps who are in long distance relationships are getting getting through the 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 fact that you can't see your partner um what are you doing with perhaps some early tinder dating or some early hinge dating that has now stopped being able to develop the relationship are you trying to keep it up online basically all ways that quarantining affects your relationship send it into us and we'll we'll have a good we'll have a good chat uh, about it next week and um possibly Possibly I'll be able to do a little bit of, I'll be able to throw in a bit of an add-on to the sex education episode because I talked to Lynn Rowan for the Des Bishop podcast and also for The Shift. However, because she's running for the Senate, she asked me to wait to put up the stuff we talked about on sex education until after the election because we were quite irreverent, which is great, but it's just not really like a pre-election chat, you know? Okay, great. Uh, so I might be able to throw that on too. But either way, guys, send us in. Uh, send us in as Do. much of that as possible because i think now like i think so like like next week we'll talk about it but for you guys i think now is the perfect time to be fucking as vulnerable as fuck like just say what you want say what you like do you know what i mean because you're just like fuck it we're all you know um what you mean put out your desires you mean yeah i think people are more likely to be like you know because you've nothing going on now like hey come on over let's 
Well, there's gonna... the, the coming on over might be stopping though. That's 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 kind of what I'm saying. Yeah, well, true. I know that um, uh, my friend was uh, the guy that she's been hooking up with. He won't. He would won't leave his house. So they just FaceTimed sex last night, and I was yeah. Like, well, that's what I want. That I want great? those stories coming in. Yeah, so fucking fair play. I might end up sending out nudes. <laughs> just be careful. Keep your face out of them. I know, like all inhibitions out the window, I'll be fucking sending out nudes and um, you'd be ramming that I, fucking, you'd be ramming that fucking sex shop special onto the fucking camera on Facetime. Ah, uh, stop! Yeah, I have my uh, my my favorite toy, um, and then uh, you know, like a nice uh, fucking hazmat strip tease or whatever. <laughs> so, oh yeah, well that'd be that'd be a good for TikTok, you know. It would be a good TikTok. I should go get a fucking hazmat suit before they close down everything. It's probably already closed yeah. down. All right. Well, what is your uh, what is your TikTok? It's just Katie Boyle Comic as well. So just started Katie a little Boyle while Comic ago. on TikTok at Katie Boyle Comic on Instagram. I'm at Des Bishop. Do send in the DMs. The Instagram is flying. I don't know what's going on with the quarantine, but my 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 story's kind of doubled in views over the last couple of days. Oh, brilliant! I don't know what that's about. Yeah, I got a few new followers um, from some stuff. So hopefully, yeah. What did you get? Listened. You got you got the who who retweeted your stuff insta single so they have like five million followers so they retweet a lot of com- comedians and so they retweeted retweet a couple of mine so got got a fair amount of probably about a thousand more followers so hopefully you, that was a you retweet guys, or an or an insta insta so they take screenshots of your tweets from or sorry so you can submit tweets to them or uh, pictures and then they might just they might u- use it and cherish so oh, you cool. just kind of as you go along keep submitting or whatever and if they like it, they'll. So they took about three of mine in the Sweet. couple of weeks. Yeah, I was delighted. So, so um, yeah. So hopefully, you know, if any of you guys who came through that, I uh, you know, hope you're li- listening to the podcast. And, and you, have, you give us five stars on iTunes, and you leave a review. A good review, not this this motherfucker who left that bad review of one episode. Like you don't put two stars just because you don't like that one. I know it's very episode. annoying. It was right, very annoying. and it was like, it was like, um. So, oh, uh, uh, disappointing, didn't like this episode, and uh, so I'm going to give you two stars. But now you're just rated the whole podcast two stars. I Don't know. be doing that. Well, what's really annoying is I can't tell if it was for the bonus Love is Blind episode or for the episode before. So she didn't oh, make that clear. I think it was clear. the episode before. I think it was the one where it was me and you reading out the Yeah, thing. which is ridiculous. I love that episode. Me too. Duff. So I don't even care. My first Honestly, that was, might have been somebody with some issues around cheating. But whatever. People are allowed to I leave think, negative reviews. Yeah. It's just annoying because she, he or she oh, said, I normally like the episode. I normally like this podcast, but this episode left me. That's like, so this is the time you leave a review? I know. All the yeah, other times you didn't think you'd leave. I don't see the review where you're like, I like this episode, five stars. <laughs> I know. I literally, because when I saw that, I knew Australia was running out of toilet roll. <laughs> was it Australia? Said, it's Australia. And I was like, well, oh. I, hope you, I hope you have no toilet roll tonight. That's all I thought. <laughs> so <it's> like, <laughs> I, I wish no ill will towards that person. It's just frustrating. I just and, wish no toilet but, roll. But you know, there is some sort of negative, you know, humans have like a negative bias. So you're more inclined to leave a negative review than a positive. Yeah. You're more motivated you to just, leave one. Right now, especially because you know that it'd be just leave the good reviews. That that's big well, I just, pain. I just honestly, good or bad reviews. The one thing is that it's it's actually just the leaving of the review that drives the the charts. So we just like people leaving. Honestly, even if you just put in great, that would be fine. Just like I just like jumping up the charts a bit. That's all. Yeah. All right, Thanks, guys. guys. Well, we'll, we'll talk you. to you. Stay, stay, stay cool in the quarantine, and uh, we're 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 on social media if you're bored. So chat to us there. Bye. Bye. All right. Turn the.
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.